I organised a weekend flyaway for our aero club from Moorabbin to Echuca for the Winter Blues Festival. Our party included my wife Merrin and me and two friends, John and Sandra, in a Cessna 182, and Dave, his wife Molly and friend Kate in the Piper Warrior. Sunday's weather for our return from Echuca was low cloud and drizzle. I was one of the last to depart after thanking our hosts and performing thorough pre-flight checks on the Cessna. Molly sat in the back and Kate, who had a lapsed VFR licence, sat beside me to get some experience. We took off after lunch, intending to return to Moorabbin via the Kilmore Gap and found scattered scrappy clouds at 900 feet AMSL. We pressed on but conditions worsened, even though others had made it through. I didn't like the conditions and returned to Echuca, landing at 2pm. Echuca traffic, Piper Zulu, Tango, Quebec, joining downwind runway 35, Echuca. I decided to put some more fuel into my tanks, having used about half an hour's worth in the aborted attempt to fly home and in case we had to divert on our next attempt. Michael and I decided we would stay overnight in Echuca. We began tying the aircraft down for the night, however, a local pilot said it was okay at Ballarat and Bendigo, so we decided to leave. After my first attempt to fly towards Mangalore with a 600 feet AGL cloud base, 1,200 at Bendigo seemed more attractive. It was clear at Moorabbin and scattered with clouds at 5,000 feet. Dave wanted to fly via Bendigo and approach Melbourne from the west. Since there was a stratus layer over Victoria, north of the Great Dividing Range, I thought that the cloud base would be the same height, AMSL, at Bendigo as at the Kilmore Gap, but the ground would be higher to the west, so we should fly through the gap. We agreed that we would fly in company and assess the situation in the air. Plan A would see us head south for the Kilmore Gap, Plan B would see us head for Bendigo, and Plan C would have us land back at Echuca and stay overnight after all. The Cessna 182 is faster than the Warrior, so I would have to slow down. I was convinced that we were going to try for the Kilmore Gap. However, we didn't state which frequency we would have our conference on, CTAF, area or company, and Dave took off before we were ready. I concede that we did not plan very well. Dave started up and taxied away while we were still loading and pre-flighting our plane. We lifted off at 4pm and climbed to 850 feet AMSL. Ten minutes into the flight, I heard Dave faintly calling me on the radio. I responded twice, but he didn't call again. Presuming he was ahead of us on the same track, I didn't see an urgent need to establish radio. Entering the Kilmore Gap, I called Melbourne Radar to request flight following. Melbourne Centre, Alpha Bravo Charlie requests flight following. We head Alpha Bravo Charlie. Alpha Bravo Charlie is 11 miles to the north of Kilmore Gap, currently maintaining 2,500. Alpha Bravo Charlie, squawk ident. Squawking ident, Alpha Bravo Charlie. Although the overcast conditions made the scene rather gloomy, we transited the gap safely through to Kilmore and flew back to Moorabbin. We taxied to our parking bay and shut down. As we climbed out, another pilot, Ken, emerged from ops and called me over. Have you heard from Dave? Why? We've just heard from Melbourne Radar that they've flown into cloud and requested assistance. No more's been heard from them, so Melbourne Radar called ops to ask about the plane's equipment and the pilot's qualifications. We knew the implications. Researchers at the University of Illinois tested 20 non-instrument rated pilots in simulators to see how long they could fly on instrument after losing visual reference outside of the cockpit. 
time intervals ranged from 20 to 480 seconds. The average time interval before they lost control was 178 seconds, not quite three minutes. I rang Dave's mobile. It went to voicemail. I rang Kate's mobile. It went to voicemail. For the next 30 minutes, I thought Dave had confirmed these statistics. Sick with worry, I helped the others secure the Cessna and then we entered the ops building. The instructors on duty were subdued. The club president asked me for any information. People were clustered around the radio. Then we heard Melbourne Centre talking with Dave, who was now on top of the cloud at 10,500 feet. He was alive, but still in trouble. I couldn't stand. I sat on the carpet beside the radio and prayed silently. We left without Michael because his aircraft was 30 knots faster, so he should have been able to catch up. Molly was anxious about flying in this weather and I was concerned that last night was a few minutes before 6pm. Also, the weather at Bendigo might worsen if we delayed, so I planned a track to the west of Bendigo and Ballarat. There were patches of low cloud and we cruised between 1,100 feet and 1,300 feet AMSL from Echuca to the west of Bendigo. I called Michael but did not receive a response. The conditions were worsening, but it seemed to be brighter further west. About 10 miles south of Bendigo, I could see showers rolling through, so I turned north, asking Kate to set the ADF to track to the Bendigo NDB. As we progressed, the cloud base seemed to be lowering. In hindsight, I can see that the ground was rising beneath us, and as I tried to maintain ground clearance, I was inadvertently climbing towards the cloud. I decided to try to land at Bendigo. The GPS suddenly began warning us of terrain ahead. There were no obstacles. We must be really low. Kate poured over the map and noted a large hill to the south of Bendigo. It was at least 1,000 feet above our current altitude. Where was Bendigo? She was having trouble seeing it on the GPS. As we approached Bendigo again, there were showers passing through, but we could see the town. I couldn't reverse course without entering cloud. I began circling only a few hundred feet above hilly, tree-covered ground looking for a break to duck through. We were in trouble. Melbourne Centre, Piper Warrior Zulu Tango Quebec need assistance. I contacted Melbourne Centre and advised them that I needed help as cloud was beginning to surround us. With visibility worsening, I made the decision to level my wings and climb away from the terrain, knowing this would take us into cloud. The disorientation as we entered the cloud was overwhelming and I felt the aircraft lurching as I fought to keep control. It was the hardest decision of my life, but I believed that staying where we were, with showers obscuring our visibility in such close proximity to the ground, was perilous. For a moment, I thought we'd had it. I knew the statistics, but was grimly determined not to validate them. Everything they tell you about flying into cloud is true. My senses were totally confused. The nose is too high. Put the stick forward. Turn the carby heat off. Retract the flaps. In stages. I began monitoring the ASI, AH, VSI and DG. Once I stabilised the climb, I radioed the controller again. Zulu Tango Quebec, are you in climb? Affirmative. Are you instrument rated? Negative. Keep your wings level and trust your instruments. Are you night rated? Negative. Do you have an autopilot? Negative. How many fuel be? Three. What's your fuel status? Fuel is okay, about four hours endurance. Thank God I had taken on more fuel than a chica. Prior to refueling, we had only enough for the 75 minute flight plus 45 minutes in reserve. But our flight was to last two and a half hours. 
I was on duty that day at Melbourne Centre and a call came from a VFR pilot requesting assistance. I asked him to stand by while I dealt with another flight. When I returned to him, he was already in cloud. My heart was pounding. I turned to my supervisor and told him we had an emergency. We have a checklist for handling a VFR into IMC emergency. I enlisted Dennis, who was working in Melbourne Centre with me that day, to take all other traffic in my sector to another frequency. My supervisor contacted Ozsar, who scrambled an emergency helicopter. I called Susie over, who was also working that day, to assist because she has a private pilot's licence. She began to examine the WAC chart to check the lowest safe altitude. It was an air traffic controller's worst nightmare. I thought I was going to witness a crash. It was a classic nightmare situation for a VFR pilot, one which has ended more than a few lives. Flying into cloud without instruments or without knowing how to use them is incredibly dangerous. It's almost inevitable you'll lose control of the aircraft within a few minutes and crash, as without visual reference to the horizon, you can't tell if the aircraft is turning or flying with level wings. If movements are gentle, they don't register with your senses. A wing could be gradually dropping and you don't realise until it's too late. Or you do realise, overcorrect and lose control that way. Eventually, the pilot, sounding surprisingly calm, reported that he was on top of the cloud. We're into clear air. Good. Can you see any holes in the clouds? No. We had found out that the aircraft was a Piper Warrior and part of a flyaway. We contacted the Aero Club to gather more information about the plane, the people on board and their flying experience. We'd also received reports that there were breaks in the cloud at Bridgewater, which is northwest of Bendigo. I discussed this with the pilot and he decided to track that way. He couldn't find any breaks in the cloud. I suggested that I provide radar vectors to Ballarat and then further south toward the coast where we hoped the cloud would clear. We then planned to turn him east across the bay to Moorabbin. Melbourne Centre asked how I felt about descending through cloud, but I really didn't have a choice. They suggested getting us overhead the airfield at Mangalore and making descending orbits, turning through the cloud. I rejected the option. No, no turns. I felt that I would have a much more controllable descent with my wings level and descending at 500 feet per minute. The controller agreed and suggested Shepparton. That was better because I am familiar with that airfield and getting there wouldn't involve turns in cloud. We couldn't take up the heading we were given for Shepparton at the level we were at without entering cloud again, so we found a hole and climbed above the next layer of cloud. We were on top by 9,500 feet, although as we tracked towards Shepparton, the cloud tops rose and we had to climb to 10,500 feet to stay clear. The little warrior didn't climb as well at that altitude as it does at sea level. The climb took ages. The enormity of what was happening had hit my two passengers when they heard passenger jets were being asked to look for holes in the cloud for us, anywhere between Sydney and Melbourne. There was an opening in the cloud and we climbed steadily. At one point we re-entered the cloud and had to descend and reverse course to get out. The controller calculated we should commence our descent immediately. We re-entered the cloud, the second hardest decision of my life, and I tried to keep the wings level, monitoring the airspeed and rate of descent. A couple of times, I was asked to turn to the right as we had started a slight left-hand turn. ATC again reminded us of the fast disappearing daylight. I would have loved to increase RPM and descend more quickly, but I didn't want to risk getting out of control. 
They were just about to commence their descent when Ops patched into the frequency and discovered that Dave, Molly and Kate were still alive. So far. We listened to the conversation as they descended. Although the controller couldn't see Dave's instruments, he could see their projected track changing 40 degrees or 50 degrees to the left and warned them, you're turning, lift your left wing. The controller was impressive, so calm, so reassuring. It seemed like he was guiding Dave on a walk in the park. At last, we heard Dave call the controller. We're clear, we can see the ground. I felt like crying with relief. We broke through the cloud near Waranga Basin at about 2,800 feet. I descended to about 2,000 feet, but there were still cloud patches, so I continued the descent to 1,500. We had about 10 minutes to run to Shepparton and it was already quite dark with all that cloud above us. Melbourne Centre advised that the wind was 050 degrees magnetic, so I replied I would fly a straight-in approach to runway 36. I'd only get one go, and then it would be pitch black. We approached the airfield, and I advised Melbourne Centre that I was lined up on final. The controller asked me to advise when we were safely on the ground, and the emergency helicopter would relay the message. It was so dark, I could hardly see the instrument panel. I didn't know how to turn on the panel lights. Melbourne Centre, Zulu Tango, Quebec has landed at Shepparton. Cancel start time. We landed safely and taxied off the runway at about 5.50 local time. End of daylight was five minutes later, officially. But with the heavy overcast, it was already pretty dark. Our legs nearly collapsed as we alighted and I wanted to kiss the ground. The relief as we entered the clubhouse, Molly and Kate were overcome with emotion. Huge sighs of relief all around, believe me. Air services provided counselling for all of us the next day. I needed a bit of a break myself once I had wound down. I was quite emotional when I'd had time to think about it. I was pretty close to tears. It's not every day you fear for someone's life for an extended period and can't do a whole lot about it. I've been involved in other emergencies, but this one has affected me. I guess because it took an hour and a half. There was danger the whole time we had input. Something we said or did could have influenced whether the pilot lived or died. In situations like this, the final call belongs to the pilot. We can't fly the plane for them, even if we are pilots, which I'm not. Even if it has a successful outcome, it doesn't stop me feeling very responsible for what happened. Could I have done more? or better. The point is to learn from the experience. By asking for help, I had ATC looking out for me. All I had to do was fly the plane and go where I was told. Their alerting me to the start of my graveyard spirals before I lost control was incredibly valuable. <laughs> 